everyone and very welcome to our service, to our harvest service this morning. Um, may I just thank uh, a number of folk. If you look around the church this morning, you'll see some decorations. I want to thank folk that, uh, that have done the banners. Rini sort of headed up that. You can have a wee look at the banners and amazing banners around the church and as we come in to the vestibule. Uh, also, the ladies of the craft club were involved, Jill McCamley, Jackie Beck, guides and rangers, and uh, then Brian Payne helped Rene to put them up there on Friday. So thank you very much. There's a lot of work went in to those way before the summer even. Uh, they were working on those. And also, thank you. If you have a wee look around, it's beautifully decorated as well with flowers. And, and uh, it was Florence. Uh, heading that up and Maureen Greer managed to come in I'm told on Friday and do some little far, far ranging which she is, is really good at and Rosemary as well so thanks to everyone involved in that the, the church is looking absolutely amazing um, this evening we're delighted uh, to have the Donaghy Male Voice Choir join us in the, at 7 o'clock and our offering will go towards the very worthwhile work of North Down Storehouse, and Margaret Bailey will be along to speak for, for a few minutes on how that is going. Uh, so we hope you'll be able to come along uh, to this special service this evening, 7 o'clock. The Men's Fellowship will meet on Saturday, the 14th of October at 9 a.m. in Bangor Golf Club. You get your fry, and the guest speaker is Walter Hope from Samaritan's Purse. Uh, please. Let Billy Aiken know if you can attend that. For the attention of all leaders, a safeguarding refresher course, um, that's child protection course, is scheduled for Thursday the 19th of October in this church. We've still to confirm the time. and uh, Any leader unable to attend should contact Billy Heintman. Uh, we're planning to, two church worship workshops. Uh, that's for anybody that would like to be or thinking about being involved in a little worship team that we'd like to get together at the front here. Um, there's uh, two workshops, Saturday the 14th and the 21st of October, two mornings, the time's to be confirmed yet, but Waiting for Sophie will be leading that up, and anybody that's keen, maybe just learning an instrument and so forth, they're going to try and mentor them and encourage them and try and then fit them into a worship team that maybe maybe might be able to play a little bit for our family service the last Sunday in, in this month in October. Next Sunday evening is the 15th of October at half past seven. We plan to have another time of worship and prayer evenings. They're very informal in the quiet room and times when we could just seek God about the future of this church and pray for those that we feel need, uh, need God's extra support. And uh, we want to seek him with all our hearts for what he wants us to do in this place and in the community. Alpha is on this week. Again, quarter, it's quarter to eight this time. Okay, just changing your diaries. It's 7.45 in the quiet room. Uh, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, feel free to come along. It's, I loved it, I must admit. Uh, Alvin was leading us in worship and in prayer and in relaxation and just enjoying God's presence and being refreshed. So if you would like to come along, please, please come along and you won't have to do anything. You just come and enjoy. And it's at a quarter to eight this Wednesday night in the quiet room. Um, 
Also this week, there's approximately 85 children that are coming um, this Friday morning. About 20 to 10 will arrive from Kilmean Primary School. And I was just wondering if there was any chance of a, two or three people maybe could provide we drinks of juice and wee cartons that could be disposed of and so forth, and maybe a cup of tea or, or coffee for, for the teachers that come. Um, but I, that would be great if we could do that. If you let me know if you'd like to be involved in that. So I think that's all of the announcements, quite a few this morning, but I uh, just want to start our service with Psalm 125, and it's verses 1 to 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. I thought that second verse was particularly beautiful. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. And this morning, he's surrounding us. He's with us this morning. And whatever situation you have in your own life, worries, concerns, anxieties, he's surrounding you like, he's, like the mountains surround Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that even though our lives can be so unstable and very unpredictable, and uh, we can go up and down, um, we, could, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but we thank you, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, Lord, you are a foundation, that you are a rock. Lord, that you are our high tower, that we can run into your presence and know the safety of you surrounding us. Lord, we want to come and we want to give thanks to you today for all the blessings that you bring to us. May our meditation and our singing be acceptable in your sight. May it come from hearts of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, Come ye thankful people, come.
It's also to have uh, our little uh, choir here this morning as well. But boys and girls, if you want to come up to the front, um, I won't bite, I promise. <laughs> but I want to introduce you to somebody, somebody called Charlie. I want you to introduce to somebody called Charlie. But, okay, this is a Bible reading. Okay, it's from the New Testament. It's a, from one of Paul's letters to the church of Corinth. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But Charlie, I want to introduce you to Charlie. Charlie, come on. It's, uh, hold on, Charlie. <laughs> that should be coming up. Oh, it's coming up on my laptop, but not on the screen. Do you want to just use the... Oh, oh, okay, we'll just use the memory stick then. Is that what we're going to do? Okay. Okay, this is Charlie. Anybody know what Charlie is? Good for you, a caterpillar. That's a really big, long word. And what, what, how does a caterpillar live? What's he eat? Leaves, you're right. And he goes around on the ground on his belly. You look a bit like caterpillars this morning on your backs. Okay, well, we'll have another wee look. We'll have a next, the next slide. Charlie, at a particular part in his life, he decides that it's time for him to change. So he'll climb up a branch or a, um, a plant, and he will sew a little piece of silk around the leaf, and he'll start to make what is like a little sack. It's called a cocoon. Well, have we look at the next one? You see the cocoon? And you'll see him, he just starts to weave that little cocoon until it's right over his head. And it's like, it's like a little sack. And he lies in the little sack. And then something begins to happen. Let's see what happens. He starts to change, to change from a little insect that goes around the ground to something that, can you see, can you reckon, can, it starts to get a bit clear. Can you see what that is inside? Anybody know? A butterfly. So Charlie begins to change into a beautiful butterfly. Would you believe it? From a little grub that crawls along the ground, goes into this little sack that he makes, chrysalis cocoon sack, and after a number of days, he starts to then change into a butterfly. And at a particular point, Charlie will break out of the little cocoon and he'll come. And do you know what he does next? If there's sun, <laughs> he'll sit with his wings out like that 
and because some of the fluid will be over his wings, and he gets, all, gets his wings all dried out in the sun, and then he's able to fly away. Well, have a look at the next one. Yes, transform from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's hard to believe that those are the same. That's the old, that's the new. And that's what, I'm, what Paul was saying about whenever we, well, have we look at the next one. Well, have, uh, Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if anyone has given their life to Christ, started to follow Christ, the new creation has come. His old life has gone, the new is here. And what Jesus does, he doesn't change us on the outside, but he starts to work on us in the inside to change our attitudes, to be more like him. Now, there's a, there's a few verses in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's all about love, what love is. And I was reading it, and I thought to myself, you know, this describes Jesus, because Jesus is incredible love. So I've put Jesus' name in instead of love. And this is, this is what, I, what, what Jesus is like. Jesus is patient. Put your hand up if you're patient. Put your hand up if you tell lies. <laughs> okay, put your hand up if you're patient. Are you a patient person? Yeah, there's some people who are patient. Ask my wife. I'm not very patient. So I need help with that. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. Do you know what that means? That means, like, if you're looking at somebody and they've got, oh, he's got a lorry, he's got a lorry truck, he's got a truck that he's playing with, or he's got a better skateboard than me, I really want that. That's envy. But Jesus never is like that. Jesus is happy for the people that own different things. Now, he does not boast. In other words, he doesn't go, hey, look at me, I'm great. You know, he is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Do you know what that means? It means putting others down. Hey, look at you, you're no good. Jesus never does that. So he is not self-seeking. He's not self he's not looking for his own interests. Rather, he's looking to help other people. He's not easily angered. Anybody here easily angered? <laughs> yes, yes. We all need work on those things. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, he doesn't go to you when he doesn't remind you. Ah, oh, Peter, do you remember you denied me? Ha! No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't remind people of their sins. Once he forgives them, they're gone. He's forgiven and forgotten. Jesus does not delight in evil, but he delights in the truth. Jesus always protects us. Jesus always uh, trusts. He hopes, and he always perseveres. That's another big word. It means keeping on going, keeping on going. The love of Jesus never fails. You know, with most of those things, I'm, if I'm honest, I need help in all of those things. And what Jesus wants to do, like whenever we give our lives to him over a long period of time, he comes along and he tries to help us become more like him, working on the inside. And that's what Paul said, whenever we come to faith in Jesus, we try and leave the old nature behind, the old selfishness, the old pride, the old arrogance behind, and we start to try and live for him the way he wants us to. And with God's spirit within us, when we come to 
faith in Jesus. We receive God's Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. And he starts to change us on the inside. And that eventually will change our attitudes and our behavior and how we treat others on the outside. So Jesus is wonderful, and he can do that miracle. That is a miracle for a caterpillar to change into such a beautiful butterfly. And it's a miracle when Jesus comes along and forgives our sins and starts to change the person from within. Okay, so thanks for listening. You haven't fallen asleep, have you not? No? Oh, you have? You've fallen asleep. Waking that boy up. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to sing Jesus is the King, and I want to see you singing because I know you know this song because I know you do it in Sunday Club. Rita, give it to me. So Jesus is the King. Okay. Do this. teach us things like this and maybe after a few times of us singing that we'll be able to do all the actions and everything but we need you to teach us as well so it's time for boys and girls you want to go out to Sunday club or bible class uh, have a really nice time okay and your offering will be received. Thank you.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for walking with us through the seasons of our lives, for the winter, when we are held safe in your arms through the darkness, for the hope of spring, as we are filled with new promise and life, for summertime, full of warmth and color, and for autumn days as leaves fall to seed new growth. You're always with us. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We dedicate this offering of thanks to you in his name. Amen. God has blessed us with so much and sometimes we can take it so much for granted um, our health and our strength and our food and the farmers and, and just the safety that we can come this morning to worship God in safety rather than in some sort of safe house that we're hiding in to worship him. He's blessed us in so many ways. Um, but we want to pray now for some folk that are going through some tough times and remember those people that are struggling a wee bit because God is with them as much as he's with us, just as circum the circumstances are different. Father, you are our creator. You have placed us in a universe with breathtaking splendor and with an ability to constantly surprise and amaze us. And so hear us as we humbly come before you to seek your help and to seek your guidance in our lives. We come to you in simple trust. At this special harvest time of the year, we pray for all who work so hard that we can have food to eat and to share. Lord, bless those who work hard to satisfy our needs. We pray also now for areas of our world where hatred and wars make the efforts of daily life even more difficult. And we pray for our own country and for all in authority that they will govern wisely and with due regard for the needs of all people. We pray for all families represented here today. Each one is made up differently and faces the normal ups and downs of family life in different ways. We are especially mindful of families who are deeply affected by the current economic situation, whether it's unemployment or fear for the future. We pray that each family finds a special peace and assurance from you as they care for their loved ones. And we pray for the sick, both at home and in hospital or in a hospice or care homes. We think of the elderly, we think of the housebound, and we pray for all who minister to their needs. We pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones, whether recently or long ago. Let the knowledge of your resurrection be a great comfort and assurance to all those who mourn. Father, we thank you and we praise you for providing for us each day. Give us insight to see your hand at work in our lives and enable us to taste the goodness which comes from knowing you in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. Let's stand and sing, We Plow the Fields and Scatter. share with you a beautiful passage from scripture from Isaiah 35 verses 1 to 10 and I hope I can I hope I can do it justice let's pray a moment before we read father we just pray we thank you for your word and we thank you Lord that every chapter in scripture is inspired God breathed and Lord sometimes we find it hard to understand just why it's there but father we pray God that you might bring this beautiful passage this oasis in the desert lord to our hearts to encourage us and lord to um, help us to focus our eyes 
on what you have in store for us in this life and the next. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So Isaiah 35, I'm going to read all verse 1 to 10, all 10 verses. Um, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon were three beautiful places, very fruitful places. Um, and they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The, the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I want to just uh, have the wee PowerPoint. Um, yeah, just the next one. Thank you. The Kalahari Desert, it's known as the thirst land. And the term Kalahari, it means great thirst, great thirst. And it's just that. It shows very little mercy to any animals, to any plants that are living there. And there are animals that try and live in the Kalahari Desert. The zebra will dig through the sand on the riverbeds to reach the water, even though the river hasn't actually flowed in 20 years. They're crocodiles, very strange looking at the crocodiles, but they try to survive by just rolling in the mud and getting whatever moisture they can. And elephants struggle to keep their wee young ones alive. There are many animals that take shade somewhere. They're hiding, they're unseen, they're waiting in hope for the rain to come. And when it does, it usually comes from above the Angola Heights, the clouds form, and then it begins to rain, and the water then runs down the mountains and into the Kalahari Desert. And within hours, you have a beautiful, luscious land filled with plains and grass and amazing yes there it is there it is in full bloom the flowers come out there are flocks of birds that just are waiting to come in swarms of insects shoals of fish appear luscious grass appears covers the desert plains flowers bloom the place comes to life and it doesn't look like the same place does it and that's within ours 
You know, I want to attempt this morning to sketch in your minds as accurately as I can the vision that was given by God to Isaiah in chapter 35. But first I want to set it in the, in the context, in the scene of the day. Chapter 34, it's a chapter of God's wrath, God's anger, God's judgment, and it's primarily called, it's primarily against a place called Edom, which was near the Dead Sea, but it became known basically as to represent every nation that was against God, every nation that was dishonoring, disobeying, disregarding God. And God threatens total destruction on these nations. Chapter 34, it gives us a picture of, of God as a warrior with a sword striking down at Edom, striking down at every nation that's against him. And uh, the land, he says, will be desolate. The land will be judged as well. It'll be barren. Um, where there was once palaces will be overgrown with thorns and where there were once fortresses, there'll be nettles, there'll be briars, there'll be brambles. The wildlife will be restricted to a certain type of animal that can live in the desert, jackals and desert creatures, goats, falcons. There's a sense of eeriness. God's judgment, chapter 34, judgment, 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 and death to the land. But now in chapter 35 comes an oasis a breath of fresh air. There's a shaft of light in the darkness. God, through Isaiah, he gives hope into a world which has lost all hope. We're told water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, hot sand will become pools, the thirsty ground will be bubbling springs. Like the Kalahari Desert, as the water rushes down the mountains onto the plains, the land is refreshed, the land is restored. The land colors, the color bursts forth again. The ground's alive with animals and not just of the desert variety. And that's what the Spirit of God does in a heart. That's what the Spirit of God does in a life. That's what Jesus does. What he touches brings life and restoration. So how we look at the next slide here in this chapter, Isaiah in his prophetic role, he's looking um, you can't actually see the man very well there, but you, uh, there's a man there looking through binoculars, but his prophetic role is looking forward to what is ahead down the line. First of all, the Babylonian Empire, which I want to look at in a wee minute, which destroyed Jerusalem, took many people captive into exile. Then for peering further into the future, Isaiah, he sees the birth of the kingdom of God. And then further still, he sees a new Eden. So it's those three things I want to look at just closely with you this morning. Babylon, first of all, Babylon, because of the sin, yes, because of the sin and rebellion of God's people, the Jews, God allows Babylon to destroy Jerusalem. Uh, its walls are destroyed, its temple are destroyed, people's homes are destroyed, people are taken captive into Babylon. It's, it's, when I read it, it's reminiscent of when Jews in their thousands were taken from their homes during the Second World War, where their, their businesses were restored, where art were destroyed, lives were taken, many transported to different countries, to concentration camps. In Psalm 137, verse 1, it depicts the feelings 
of the people that have been taken out of Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. It says, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. When we thought of Jerusalem, we sat down, we felt helpless, we felt sad, we were away from our homeland, and we were broken, we wept. You know, living in a pagan king, under a pagan king, living in a pagan land, there would be 70 years where people would be in Babylon, and it was going to be tough. It was going to be really tough. But now Isaiah, what he does under the inspiration of God is he encourages them to keep the faith. He encourages them to keep the faith. And for us today, we're living in a secular society. You could say our church is in exile. It's put to the sidelines. It's put on the subs bench. What people have to think about with regards to their faith, it's not taken on board as much as it used to be. It's like the church is in exile. And here he encourages the people in Babylon, but he encourages through that, he encourages us with this chapter. He says, verse 3, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Now in the Hebrew, it's not, it doesn't mean that their hands are physically weak or that their knees are physically weak. It's not a physical weakness, but what it is, it's a discouragement. It's, it's, a, it's a loss of motivation to keep going. That They've been browbeaten, they've been pushed back so much that they've just lost the will to keep on going, to keep on going, we've lost it. And Isaiah encourages them, don't quit. Don't quit. The same two verbs are used when God calls Joshua, and God says to Joshua, Moses is dead, now you have to take over and step up now and go and lead the people into the promised land. He says, be strong, be courageous. The two same verbs used as in Isaiah. It's a call not to be confident in ourselves, but to be confident in a God who will provide all your needs, all what you need, all your resources in a situation to overcome, especially with them, to overcome this lack of, of, of confidence and faith. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. Again, my mind goes back to pictures of victims of the Holocaust, Second World War, beaten, pushed, and shoved into carriages destined for concentration camps. A few weeks, years ago, we were on holiday in Poland, and we went to visit Auschwitz. We wouldn't say it's an enjoyable visit, but it's, it's an awesome visit. And in it, there were so many people, photographs, just portrait photographs from shoulders up, and just lying the corridors, people who had died at the hands of the Nazis. And I'm sure when the Jews first began to be mistreated, when they were taken from their homes and their businesses burned and they were pushed into ghettos, and I'm sure there was a sense of anger. I'm sure there was a sense of vengeance, of we want retribution. But in these photographs, the expressions went beyond anger. Their faces showed more of a sad helplessness of just accepting their fate Isaiah is telling the people in Babylon, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't lose focus. God will avenge what's been done to you. He will come to save you. He speaks to those in Babylon. And God did just that. 
Babylon is overthrown by another nation called Persia. And the king of Persia, King Cyrus, strict in all that he was, dominant as he was, he was much more of a human being than the Babylonian king. And he was sympathetic, and he begins to allow the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem. And Isaiah can see that all coming. He can see ahead. He can see that that is coming. And he's trying to encourage the folk, you're going to go through a difficult time. But I'm telling you, there is an oasis coming. You will be allowed to go back home again. You'll allow, be allowed to go back to your homeland, to your families again. Verses 8 to 10, Isaiah speaks of God raising up a highway. You know, and it's not just like a highway as we call it in America or a motorway here. It is a highway. It is literally raised. That's what it's talking about in the Hebrew. It is a, a raised highway, the highway of holiness. God is going to raise up this highway of holiness, and you are going to be able to walk back to Zion, to Jerusalem, with singing, with rejoicing, and instead of tears and mourning and sadness, instead of pain and heartache and heartbreak, the joy of the Lord will be restored to you a hundredfold. He says that the crocus will bloom, the crocus being the first flower of spring, the forerunner, he's saying, the crocuses will be on this highway. And it's going to be a forerunner letting you know that better days are ahead, better times are ahead. The spring is coming. The winter is coming to an end. And their lives, which were in black and white for 70 years, would turn to color. And the land which was desolate, like the Kalahari, their land, back home, it'll be refreshed. It'll be restored. It'll be better even than Lebanon or Sharon or Carmel, the most, three most beautiful places and most fruitful places in the land. He said it's going to be better than that when you travel this highway of holiness, when you head home to Jerusalem. And uh, they'll see the glory of the Lord as they arrive at the temple. You know, what a message of hope to those who sat by the rivers of Babylon and wept. And I don't know all of your situations. I know that some of you are going through very difficult times, very trying times. And it's quite possible that when the blinds are closed and the curtains are closed, that you've had a little weep, that you've had tears, and you've been crying out to God, and it's hard for what you're going through. But the Lord says through Isaiah here, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You're going to be able to walk that way of holiness. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I will come to save you. I will come to rescue you. I am your redeemer, and I will not let you fall. You are safe in my hands. The kingdom of God, then, is the next thing, but Isaiah looks a wee bit further into the kingdom of God he sees coming. Isaiah uh, sees beyond the captivity to the birth of the kingdom of God, just like Jesus said, like a mustard seed. starts off real small, and it gradually grows and grows and grows. And Isaiah writes, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, 
and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame, those that can't walk, they'll leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Do you remember in Matthew 11, John the Baptist, he's arrested, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus just to check if he's the Messiah. And he says, ask Jesus, are you the one who's to come? Or should we expect someone else? If I'm going to lose my life for this man, I need to know he's the Messiah. And Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy, they're cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And later in Luke's gospel, he says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is upon you now. And Isaiah sees that. Many hundreds of years before, he sees the coming of the kingdom of God. And as the mustard seed of the kingdom of God begins to grow, in the light of that knowledge, the highway of holiness takes on a new meaning takes on a new meaning, not just the road back from Babylon, but the road, the highway, which leads into God's presence. For Isaiah, holiness is the defining characteristic of God. Above all else, God is holy, which means set apart. There are no other gods like him. And when we talk about the highway of holiness, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about where he was able to just go to the cross and say it is finished as he hung on the cross. And he's then able to say, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the highway of holiness. I am the way back, not, not just to heaven, but very into the very presence of God. See, heaven's not about the pearly gates and it's not about the gold pavement or whatever there is up there. It's about being in the presence of God. And Isaiah is saying that God is coming, that people will be healed, that dementia will be no more, that cancer will be no more, and that, that this man, Jesus, will take you on the highway of holiness into the very presence of God because of what he's done on Calvary. It is finished. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're told no one will go on this highway apart from the redeemed, none apart from those who follow Christ. You know, uh, Surely there's a response for all, from all of us that's needed. When Jesus says those words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. We need a response to that. Isaiah says only the redeemed will walk there, and all others will face the judgment as described in chapter 34. But this 35 is an oasis. This 35 is a highway into the presence of the living God. But finally... A new Eden. Isaiah looks even further forward. He's looking further into the future. You know, when God created the world, he was able to say, it is good. God saw that it was good. 
But when man rebelled, when man turned his back on God, at that moment, creation began to creak and crack. And that's never been more evident than in the last couple of years. Even in the last week, our head, news headlines about Loch Ness. Paul writes in Romans 8, 19, he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. It's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It longs to be restored. It longs to be again what it once was before the fall of man. It longs, it longs for a new Eden. Isaiah looks ahead still further to see that new Eden. He sees a restoration ahead. Water gushing from the wilderness, he says, streams in the desert, flowers blooming, animals returning. When Christ touches something, he brings life to it. Gladness, joy will be the flavor of the day. And he says, sorrow and sighing will flee away. A time when there'll be no more cancer. And as John writes in Revelation, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You know what? Until then, Paul writes, we have this treasure in jars of clay. You and I, if you've given your life to Christ, you have the richest thing living within you, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We can bear that fruit now. Christ's Spirit is in us. He's our source of life. He's our sustenance. And we bear his fruit and enjoy his life in abundance. We have that now through Christ. But even, even now, we see only through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. I leave you with one illustration. There was a discovery was made in 1986 of a deep cave in Namibia near the Kalahari Desert. It's because of the humid air that when the explorers were looking over the edge, they got this humid air hitting their face, and it became known as Dragon's Breath Cave. And in its belly, there lies the largest underground non-subglacial lake in the whole world. And it's so large, in fact, the divers, they've been trying to dive to the bottom of it, but they've only been able to chart its depths to 430 feet. So up above on the surface, you have scorching heat. You have elephants trying to survive in the heat. Crocodiles looking and bathing in the mud because there isn't enough water. Um, a desert. And down below, a number of feet, you've got this deep pool that goes beyond 430 feet of cool, clear water. You know, when I saw this cave, I thought of the church in the West, which so often has kept the gospel of Jesus Christ, that life-giving source, hidden out of sight while people thirst and perish. There are people out there in our community, and they thirst for something, and they don't know what. Within each of us, there's like a, a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. And they thirst, 
they don't know what for. They try to fill this thirst and quench this thirst by so many different things, but they never do. But here we've got this pool. We've got Christ. We've got Christ refreshing living water to give. We need to bring it to the surface and to share it with others. Jesus to his disciples, he said, look around you. The harvest is truly plentiful. May we drink deep of God that we may go wide into the community. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love this. I love this passage, Lord, because it speaks of hope. And it speaks of hope now. It speaks of Jesus having come and started and birthed the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God begins to grow throughout the world. And Lord, no matter how difficult it might be living in a secular society, Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you are king, that you are Lord. And Father, that you can be with us and strengthen us through the difficult times. But we thank you, Lord, that we never need to thirst because we have you. But Lord, give us a desire to, 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 to draw deeper from you, to long for more of you. That God, when we go into the community, it spills out to others. Lord, make us a lamp here. Make us a light. Make us a source of Jesus's life. I pray, Lord, for those wee boys and girls coming on Friday, and I pray, Lord, that there'll be something here, your presence, that would be able to connect with them, Lord, that they might know that Jesus is in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're just going to, we're going to finish with our, our good rising hymn now. Thank we all our God.
be open to all the blessings which surround you. May this awareness produce a harvest of generosity in your spirit. May thoughts of Jesus fill your mind and hunger for God drive your soul and love for the Lord guide your speech and your actions. Amen. Thank you.